0: And the South Vietnamese believed that the United States would come to rescue them. When the United States left in 1973 and signed the Paris Peace Accords, what Nixon and Kissinger promised the South Vietnamese political leadership in secret was that they would not abandon South Vietnam. And obviously, because of Watergate, (laughs) Nixon and Kissinger could not fulfill that promise. And actually, by April, March and April 1975, Congress had cut off aid to the South Vietnamese. And so the images that you're talking about that Americans are familiar with, they're chaotic because it was only within the last few weeks that the political leadership of the Americans really decided to start to evacuate people as clandestinely as possible, which meant only thousands of people could be rescued, even though there were at least a million Vietnamese people who were fighting for the Americans or who were working for the Americans, and things just completely fell apart. And it was just every man and woman and child for themselves as they tried to flee the country.
1: I I sense a a fair amount of bitterness as as you recount this history
0: here. (laughs) Well, yes, and one of the reasons for telling this story is that I don't think a lot of Americans understand any of this. They don't understand the complexities of what was happening in terms of the American impact on any of the Vietnamese people of any of the sides. They certainly don't understand the fact that many of the Vietnamese refugees who came to the United States are bitter or were bitter. And the reason why they don't is because the way that Americans understand the end of this war is that even though they failed, they still rescued the Vietnamese who they had fought for and brought them to the United States to live the American dream. And many of those Vietnamese refugees who came here don't want to disabuse their American hosts of this because they do feel grateful. They do feel that they've been saved. But at the same time, They also feel bitter that the Americans came in, made them fight this war, promised them to defend their freedom to the very end, and in the very end, actually bailed out and left them, for the most part, on their own. They left uh, 17 million people behind.
1: Your particular story has to do with, uh, with your own personal history. You were born in Vietnam and left when you were, what, four years old? That's right. What basically happened was we were
0: living in a small town in central Vietnam called Ban Mithuat, which has the distinction of being the first town overrun in the final invasion in 1975. And my family had a very dramatic refugee story of escaping from the country by boat and then fleeing to the United States where we were resettled in uh, Pennsylvania. And that was the beginning of my Americanization.
1: And then you ended up uh, a few years later uh, settling in San Jose, California, right?
0: Yeah, what happened was San Jose, California became one of the major hubs for refugee resettlement, and my parents just decided there weren't enough opportunities in uh, Pennsylvania, and we moved over there and opened probably the second Vietnamese grocery store in San Jose. And immigrant life, refugee life in San Jose at, at that time was very hard because the community, as I said, was traumatized. There was a lot of domestic
1: violence, not in my family, but I certainly heard about it, witnessed it. So, When you were growing up, did you identify more as Vietnamese or or American, or were those identities always fused together?
0: Those identities were always fused or confused. I definitely had the sense that I was American because I grew up completely surrounded by American culture and I absorbed the English language and saw myself very much as someone who belonged here in this country. On the other hand, I was also surrounded by Vietnamese people, had attended all these Vietnamese institutions and rituals, and, and was reminded of the fact that I was Vietnamese by American culture, by things such as America's movies about the Vietnam War, in which, when I was watching them, I identified with the American soldiers up until the point they killed Vietnamese people, and I realized I was also the gook in the American imagination as well. So movies like Apocalypse Now, Platoon, even the Rambo movies? Oh, absolutely. I saw all of those and and many more. And, for example, watching Platoon in the movie theaters, I was probably 16 at the time, and going along with the action and everything until this climactic battle where Vietnamese soldiers are being killed, and all of a sudden the audience erupts in cheers. And I thought, where am I supposed to be in this particular scene? Am I supposed to be cheering the killing, or am I supposed to be identifying with the person being killed?
1: Hmm. Well, I want to come back to one of those movies, actually, because it figures in a major way in your book. Apocalypse Now. What kind of impact did that have on you
0: when you first saw it? I first saw it probably when I was 10 or 11 on the VCR, and it completely traumatized me. I was much too young to watch this movie, did not understand what was going on, but it left a deep imprint on my my soul, basically. I still remember it vividly to this day particularly for a scene in which the American sailors massacre a sampan full of, of innocent civilians. And obviously this moment for the movie is meant to signal the descent into darkness for all of these American sailors. You know, this but, is that again, scene
1: when they, when they go on a boat and suddenly some of the soldiers go a little crazy and they just start shooting this whole family on the boat.